0: Štan an indó askeige e Táim imíchttaí e dhéhsachcht ar end of chacht a máchan seo gur féidir é chor iúigh ceart lena win féin. Skilti fis turmi Tá sé nach ara igornamion g
1: gonamán an
0: che sinna eá. Bhí antám a ginn ná fracht
1: find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called butt of a gun and put into the back of your skull—that's a moment where you go, okay. Yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important
0: part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, It's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and you're welcome to the Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. And this week we're going to talk about what is going to be big in tech in Ireland in 2022. Will it be crypto? Will it be uh, NFTs? Will Apple launch its AR glasses, and what effect will they have? Will health tech be big? And what about things like the, the the legacy from the Theranos case? Can you still fake it till you make it in the startup world? Well, to join me to talk about these things. Uh, we have Andy O'Donoghue, who's a tech journalist in general. He's a tech journalist who writes for different um, publications. Andy, you're very welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Adrian, and Happy New Year to you.
0: And Happy New Year to you. Now, we've both put forth our choices of what we think is going to be big in 2022. You have gone for crypto and NFTs, and I think you bought an NFT recently, did you? I, I, I'm
1: the proud owner of um five or six nfts and uh only in the last week or so did i conduct my first solana transaction and um briefly traumatized and uh but you know what did you buy w- i bought uh um i bought a couple of nice pleasant images and there is a certain amount of uh, fear of missing out here and um, were they bored apes uh, they weren't. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not in that league yet. And, um, but I did. I bought them because I thought, okay, I wanted to experience the whole transaction process. Because you know, people, um, I think it was a Colin, the Collins Dictionary NFT was Word of the Year 2021. Um, people have heard about you know the Beeple painting for 65 million or whatever it was. I've chatted about it myself. And I thought, OK, so how easy is it to buy an NFT? And there are platforms like Binance and OpenSea that make it sort of easy. But if you want to buy from an artist, which I think is where if we're going to take the decentralization um, idea uh, to where it really should go to and artists can sell their own artwork, create them, sell them and be paid for them well, you want to buy from the artist. How do you do that? And you do like, it's not that easy. You have to get a wallet. You know, you've got to store your private key somewhere. You know, you've got to, you know, do all the right things. And anyway, I struggled through over the holidays, struggled through one night, got a few. And Adrian, I was chuffed. I'm
0: really pleased. Okay. May I ask, and not to be too rude, roughly, can you give me any indication how much
1: you spent? Very little. Like, you know, we had chain There was, there was, there was, you know, a few cups of coffee involved. That was about it.
0: Okay. And it was an image that an artist created, was it? Was it, a, is, is it, is this an NFT to an original image, uh, which gives you in your head, what to that image?
1: Uh and this is a great point. Right? <laughs> so, because I'm not sure what it gives me exactly. What I have got I've, I've got, I've got a bunch of pleasant images, and I suspect that um some clever artists have figured out ways to um run a little script in Adobe Photoshop that creates a thousand images that are marginally different, and they end up with a whole with a little studio full of artwork. Um I suppose what I have bought, though, is a specific numbered item within a collection. Right. And um, even there, uh, last week, there was an artist, uh, uh, um, an Australian artist, based Joan dot uh, Eth is her uh, Twitter handle, and she started giving away a little collection um, one night, five thousand images on uh, on Twitter, and within twenty four hours, um, she'd given them all away. She gave them away for free. But by the next day, they were being auctioned with a base price of, you know, um, 20, 30 dollars, something like that. And you think, OK, this is quite an interesting practice, because I think what she has done and it was clever by her, um, what she has done is she started to uh, tweak people's interest. Um, into, you know, the world of NFTs. And very few people are going to be able to spend those millions of dollars on NFTs. Hmm. But as, col- as collectors, I think it's, a, Adrian, it's a really interesting practice for artists because part of it is um, the resale rights within that smart contract that controls the NFT is a 7 or 8% um, commission for the artist when they're sold again. So it's a lovely idea.
0: Yeah, the the, whenever NFTs comes up, and I've written about it a little bit, and I've spoken about it a little bit, it does gauge a a very divided reaction, though. Most people still can't get their head around what they are actually getting. So you mentioned, for example, Beeple, the digital artist, who sold an NFT through Christie's, no less, the esteemed auction house, for $69 million dollars last year and what was it that the purchaser of that nft got well they got a digital token which uh, is provable on the black blockchain to say that they have some type of formal original association with that work of art it it's very hard to talk about copyright or you know um what else they get with that the way i understand nfts and, and let me know if this kind of goes with what you understand If you create a digital work of art, first of all, you have to accept that digital works of art are art and are valuable. If you accept that, then maybe you can also accept that something, a provable claim or link to one single original piece of digital art, i.e. an NFT on the blockchain, can have value. If you don't accept that, then you probably can't believe in the concept of an NFT.
1: (laughs) That's... I, I think that's a that's a very fair point um and that's i suppose it's that ownership is the key thing there, and you know i mean I suppose we also see say people selling the same image hmm. with uh with different collection numbers, but like that's like selling you know artists traditionally selling um a collection of fifty prints right and uh, item number fifty is worth maybe substantially less than item number one. Or, you know, uh, in, the, in the collection. But it's, you know, it's, I, I mean, obviously it's a burgeoning part of the art market. It is. The um, Financial
0: Times just before Christmas calculated that it's now a $41 billion market, mm. but they added that it's mostly wealthy people and millionaires who are playing with it, playing in that space. For example, Eminem the mm. other week paid, I think, just over 400,000 euro for one of the, Board Ape Yacht Club mm. images. Now, for, for any listeners or, or viewers who haven't seen that, you can just Google it. Um they're available on OpenSea, and they're fairly standard-looking to me, mm. cartoon drawings of an ape which who has a baseball cap or a handkerchief on his head or smoking a cigarette. And there are hundreds, I think thousands of them. Mm. And they typically go fifty or sixty thousand dollars each. Mm. When I say they, I what I mean is an NFT to individual board ape images go for fifty or sixty thousand dollars each. Now you have to ask yourself, is this a bit of a tulip pyramid scheme? Is it is it a craze? Is it that some people just have too much in cryptocurrency and don't know what mm. to spend it on? Or is it genuine, valuable art? And I suppose if you were to argue that it is art the way I would characterize it, I I haven't made up my mind on it yet, but Mm. the way I would characterize it is that you can make a flawless high resolution digital image of any world masterpiece in art. And you, you can print it in such a way that if you were standing 10 meters away, you'd barely know that it was a copy. Now, what is it that makes the difference between that copy and the original artwork. Well, the main difference, other than a close inspection where you can see the oil or the watercolor or whatever it is, the main difference is the assurance and the provenance that that original work of art is the original work of art painted or drawn or whatever it is by that artist. In other words, it's kind of a mental thing, really. It's it's mm. a, a bit intellectual property thing. It's not the actual output. So if you accept that, then you can probably accept that a digital work of art, let's say the board ape, is a digital work of art. It doesn't matter if you can copy and paste it. It doesn't matter if you can, you know, make it look exactly the same by copying it. The fact that you have the provenance to the original
1: is supposedly the value. Well, that's <coughs> excuse me. That's exactly it. And um, that listing or record on the blockchain is there forever. Um if you have it in your wallet and you transfer it, sell it to somebody else, artist earns a few quid, new person gets ownership, but the record of your ownership is always there. Um, that's an interesting thing, by the way. I think uh f- in a variety of ways for you know, um revenue organizations, customs organizations for import, export, taxation, things like that, asset transfer, money you know, laundering. Well, exactly. but you know, but but A record of assets and transfers helps to defuse uh, money laundering. I I think, I mean, it is, yes, it's fascinating. Um, uh, What did you say? Did you say it was about $60 billion? $41
0: billion industry, according to the FT.
1: And which is, I mean, you know, I suppose in in a sense, not surprising because you look at the amount of trade that uh, websites like uh, markets like OpenSea are doing, Mm. it's remarkable. But there was a couple of interesting things during the year. Like Damien Hurst announced his uh, NFT project. I think it was called Currency. And what he did was he took um, real world works of art and then an NFT version. And you bid on one and you selected which you wanted. And if you took the NFT version, you got the digital version and he destroyed <laughs> The yep. uh, physical version. And I thought, oh, that's a really interesting thing. You mm-hmm. know, um, we're committing so uh, art to digital rather than the tangible. Yeah, I mean,
0: I suppose it's an article of faith that, yeah, digi- exactly. that in per- the permanence of digital, that you can have something digitally and it can be permanent. Now, I'm not quite there in my head there yet because I'm the victim of too many old digital formats and USB keys and Sony Walkmans and all sorts of stuff that end up being obsolete after five or six years. But I can see what he's saying. Just before we move on from this topic, though, there is definitely space for hucksters and chancers uh, here. Of course there I is. Mean, I'm seeing yeah. stories daily of people who are, there's one woman who is currently selling um, farts in a jar uh, as an NFT.
1: Yeah, it's, okay, that's
0: a niche market. It? Yeah, it's a niche market. I think she gets about 30 quid for them, though. And there's another <laughs> one who's, there's another company that sells, actually, it's not another company, it's Charmin, the big toilet paper company in the US, is selling NFTs to digital toilet paper, uh, essentially, as uh, as an art piece as well. And there are some risks as well. Like, there's an art gallery owner in the States called Todd Kramer, who a week just around new year's actually there was a big controversy because he clicked on a phishing link and over 2 million euro of his nft um mm. art tokens including by the way a 15 bored ape tokens oh, God. um were stolen immediately and he took to twitter and he he a- asked for help and people came back to him and said well sorry but you know you made your bed um you don't have any recourse now one person said i think uh, they tweeted to him um, oh i'm really sorry your your apes got stolen guess i'll go draw some police for you you know mm, um mm, so mm. uh there's a big risk and health warning with nfts as well
1: there is um but i do think uh it will be interesting to see how it develops this year i think we're likely to see uh more artists who paint in the real world uh, start to produce maybe 10 paintings, producing a digital version. The Damien Hurst example is, a, I think, an interesting one. And um, can artists create more opportunity and more markets for themselves? I hope so.
0: Okay. So anyway, you think that NFTs are going to be uh, an item this year? I think they will be as well. I'm not convinced that it's going to be the next stage in art, but I could well be wrong on that. You also think that Apple's AR
1: glasses are going to be a thing this year, augmented reality. I do, yeah. I mean, these have been, you know, we've been talking about them for years now. And um, I think, you know, maybe 2021 was probably the plan date for them. I do think we'll probably see them before the summer, the late spring, maybe. I yeah. think maybe even they'll go on sale in the autumn. And um, I think, Adrian, it's going to be, you know, it's a lot, you know, Apple, uh, Apple get that criticism is difficult to keep inventing the uh, (laughs) inventing uh, new product lines. But I think uh, well, they've done
0: pretty well. They've gotten a lot of criticism over the last few years, but some of it has been very unjustified. I mean, I remember the people saying they haven't invented anything since the iPhone, the Apple watch. Are you kidding me? It is literally the best selling watch it, nothing else even comes close.
1: It doesn't. No, it's in fact it's a best-selling watch, not just digital watch.
0: Oh yeah, it, it's yeah, the best-selling you know. watch. I mean AirPods. Yeah. AirPods by
1: themselves are a Fortune 500 be, company. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, and 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 so you know, it's it's and and obviously having worked there for a long time, you know, I always feel oh, I always feel a bit needled by that criticism. Mm. But AR glasses, uh, AR glasses, yeah, mm. I think. As part of the uh, as part of the iPhone ecosystem. OK,
0: so I was going to ask, what do you think they'll be used for?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's iPhone. Um, okay. I, I I think, you know, I think the handset will be less and less important to us over time, over the next three years. Particularly, you just you know, you, you, you have your Apple watch there. You'll get a pair of glasses you know you might in a year's time you'll be able to have the prescription lens although maybe the patents indicate that apple may have cleverly designed them so prescriptions mightn't even be necessary hmm. um that imagery will uh, will 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 help will work with your with your eyes
0: so you think th- where google glasses and facebook glasses and snap spectacles have kind of tried but not really succeeded you think apple's going to go there you think they going to make it work
1: I think I think you've mentioned three products that are very different in a sense. Uh, you and I chatted about the Ray-Ban glasses back in the late summer. Um, they're they're not geekware though. Um, okay, they have a geeky uh, um, <laughs> they've speakers function. and a microphone. Yeah. Yeah, but they but, but they they there's look no display. Good. Yeah, but, but uh, Google Glass and the Snap uh, spectacles very different and pure geekware. Apple Apple won't make geekware. Um, I'm sure they'll look fabulous and I'm sure that, you know, as we, you know, the whole metaverse idea, um, fine, but the functionality that they will bring to Mm. daily life, I I think it's genuinely going to be very useful. Did you see that
0: video that Walmart put out about shopping in the metaverse? Have you seen that one? No, I haven't seen it. Okay, so imagine it's VR, really, and you're walking around a supermarket and you're digitally picking up bottles of wine. There's an assistant beside you who tells you. Well, actually, uh, our records show that you already have that wine. Do you really want that? You no. put it back in the basket, yeah. and then you 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 know you bring everything to the till, and you're automatically checked out, and it's kind of interesting. I don't like shopping, so to me it's hell, yeah. but it's, but it's yeah. quite interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I, you know, I think, uh, I, you know, depending on where we go, interesting, i will be curious to see what audio um, that the AR glasses have, you know. Um Obviously, Apple aren't going to cannibalise the AirPods business uh, either end of it, but there are interesting things. I mean, I'm sure you, you you saw that 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 addition to AirPods that Apple have made that kind of implies that they're heading towards a hearing aid uh, functionality for AirPods. Yeah, and so if you have um, if you have uh, that sort of functionality in your AR glasses. Which will be useful for people who are hard of hearing, if they can help people with accessibility, maybe for zooming in, for uh, lighting, for night lighting, for people who are who have uh, trouble with their eyesight in various ways. These aren't going to be like a fun pair of spectacles, like snap glasses. These are going to be probably edging towards the health uh, services that Apple are increasingly appear to be focused on. Okay, and you
0: you you're fairly big on health tech in general this year, right?
1: I think, uh, I mean, I know it's an inter- it's an industry, it's a sector that I have an interest in, um, but I just think the last twelve months have been truly fascinating in regards to health tech. Um, I think you know we have proven that we don't need to go to the doctor as often, but we can still get healthcare. I think we've probably learned how to not go to the doctor and get even better healthcare now. Do,
0: do you know what I did before Christmas? And this is going to horrify about 50% of my listeners. I did a 23andMe test.
1: Did you really? DNA. Yeah. DNA. Y- yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: My package still hasn't reached because it's it's weird. You do it. You spit into this yeah. file. You put it in a package. You then send it off. Um, it arrives an address in, I think, Holland. And then it is sent from there to the States, to the U.S., so it for the last three weeks, it has been undergoing this epic journey and it still yeah. hasn't ar- arrived there yet. But the only reason mm. I mention it, um, I'm kind of doing it as a professional interest, but mm. um, the basic idea behind um, trying to figure out what underlying conditions you mm. might have is actually a fairly wide one now. Um, Let's get checked, which is the Irish mm. company, uh, which raised, I think, 150 million last mm. year. Their basic thing was you can, you know, take a COVID test, you can take an STD test, whatever it is, but they're also planning on introducing a new service whereby, which is based on DNA, which is essentially Mm -hmm. where they will be able to warn you in advance and say, look, uh, this shows that you have, uh, you may be prone to this type of ailment. This is what you might consider that you might want to take. And if you like, we'll schedule you in for it.
1: I think you've touched on two really interesting things that are, you know, and obviously everything isn't going to happen in 2022, but I think this is really the start of it. One is you've mentioned the consumerization of healthcare. So, you know, Adrian, I mean, five years ago, let, let alone 10 or 20, could you have envisioned that you would be able to get the 23andMe test, do it at home and get that DNA analysis? That then leads into fallout that we that we see came from, say, the Human Genome Project mm-hmm. and There is absolutely no doubt that personalized medicine has started and it is developing. And so your um, DNA analysis, not only will it identify conditions, but in the next few years, it will allow biotech companies to create medicine uh, specifically for you, not just treatment, but medicine specifically for you. Mm. The other thing that you've touched on there is how is the consumerization, right? And we know, um, I, I think it's been launched in China, but the new Huawei blood pressure watch. Um, and, you know, that that is, people have talked about blood pressure, wrist bound, wrist, uh, uh, bound uh, blood pressure being the holy grail of medicine, of med tech. It's not really, but it is really difficult to do. And I understand that Huawei have done this. And so if we see that, and then if we see something like Apple Watch being used for insulin analysis, like that is remarkable decentralization of uh, med tech that was very difficult to do. Uh, a friend of mine works in the respiratory field and he has patients who present with data from their Apple Watch or their Fitbit. Wow. And he doesn't dismiss them. He takes it and he sees it and he says, Yeah, you can rely on this as something that will lead you down a road that needs to be traveled. I think that's fascinating. And it has been expedited by the pandemic. So if there is a silver lining, to um, you know, the housebound people that we've become for twelve months, it is that healthcare has really surged. We've seen five years' work worth of medtech work done in a year, and that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, now <clears throat> I know that twenty percent, maybe not fifty percent, but twenty percent of the listeners to this conversation are screaming and saying. <laughs> what about your personal data? You're sleepwalking into like a dystopian nightmare. It's possible. It's possible. But I do agree with you that elements of that, no matter how uh, the the personal data uh, element shakes out, elements of that are irreversible and are going to be, uh, or probably will help uh, quite a few people. We don't only have time for one or two more. How about one that I was slightly fascinated by? You believe that we're going to face seminal questions this year based on the, uh, the Theranos legacy, the whole fake it till you make it, uh, kudos.
1: I think it's been a fascinating, um, fascinating event. And you know, um, Elizabeth Holmes, um, as we chat now, she's been found guilty on four of 11 counts, probably a mistrial on three. Um, I think what we've seen is actually remarkable. Um, and, um, In what way know, though? I think I, first of all, um, the, uh, the way Theranos behaved was, was remarkable and the, um, the way they behaved and she and Sonny Balwani, um, reacted to John Cario's exposure. And for any of your listeners, um, uh, bad blood is one of the best books about the industry that I've ever read. Um, and also remarkable work from an investigative journalist. Hmm. Um, I think it's remarkable because uh, people will begin to think, well, should we lie to investors? Should we exaggerate how advanced we are in development? Or should we tell people the truth? Well, that that has been a
0: central (laughs) tension for all startups (laughs) since the beginning of the tech industry. I mean, I'm aware of not just a few, but very, very many startups here in Dublin, presumably Mm. abroad as well then who for whom that is there is a tension there there's a tension between uh sale selling your idea maximizing the Mm. the the potential maximizing the scope and revealing the limitations as you understand them to be now a lie is a lie Mm. but sometimes there is a gray area where you're not sure you know
1: it's you know look it's, it's it's such a big question i mean i don't know what 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 the fallout will be but uh, you know um every business plan is um a bit of uh fiction every business yeah. plan is a bit of fiction you make assumptions the difference with theranos is and is that uh Real people's lives were affected Mm. and we heard them in court. And although um, Elizabeth Holmes wasn't convicted on the charges related or related to those uh, to the to to the patient impact. And I was surprised she wasn't. I think that's a very uh, that's something that people will reflect on um, in other parts of the uh, technology business. Um, You know, people will continue to exaggerate their numbers. I suppose what was different here is the numbers became very big. I also think one of the really curious elements about Theranos is perhaps it it will have no effect on Silicon Valley because there was I think there was only one at most uh, West Coast investment uh, involved. Everybody else was from the East Coast. Mm. The story was, and I'm sure you heard this, the story was people like Google Ventures went out to the Walgreens and there was this chatter that Theranos, whoa, you know, uh, it never really was going to deliver. Uh, and yet they got, uh, they got a- an impressive board together. They raised a lot of money. and um, FOMO. But it, but it was never going to work. It was yeah. never going to work. And that technology, um, I'm sure eventually, but to get over the Venus blood draw, question is going to take engineers and doctors decades or more to perfect that yeah yeah i I would agree with that
0: look we do have a few more things we could mention but i we just don't have time but andy o'donohu tech journalist thank you very much for joining me this week on the big tech show and that's all we have time for next week happy new year to all of our listeners and we'll talk to you same time next week bye-bye